Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Everything is Black and White podcast. A very positive podcast to come. Newcastle United gained their first victory of this season in a 1-0 win over Watford I'm joined by Lee Ryder and Chris Woff to go over the game uh, plus much more yes this is the everything is black and white podcast in association with eToro hello and welcome to the everything is black and white podcast I'm Andrew Musgrove and today I'm joined by Lee Ryder and Chris Woff and it is a celebratory day we can eventually do a feature length podcast on a Newcastle United victory Lee you're smiling you look happy First of all, a win. Just brilliant. We've been waiting for that for a very long time. Yeah, I mean, fantastic to, to just get that kind of long, anxious run of results uh, out the way. And just on Saturday night, you could just feel the the tension reducing around the city, couldn't you? Just as you were walking out of St. James's Park, the world felt like a better place. Um, they, they did well to get the win, hard fought. Uh, they were hanging on towards the end, but they probably deserved the little bit of luck that they got in places, but, you know, you make your own luck in, in the Premier League. I think I said that to you, Chris. I said, you know, they did ride their, their luck a little bit. Watford were very dominant. Um, and you said to me, yeah, but, you know, Newcastle have been very unlucky this season. And that little bit of luck sometimes is what you need to, to get up and running. Yeah, I said it a few weeks ago when Newcastle had been struggling to get a result, having, albeit having played quite well, obviously Old Trafford, Probably should have won that match. Could have been three or four nil up with a break. Should have had a penalty. Didn't happen. Brighton dominated the game, but couldn't get the breakthrough. Lost. Didn't get anything from that match. So, yes, first half you wouldn't have flattered Watford at all if it had gone three nil, four nil at the break. Really, they had that many clear cut chances. But Newcastle hung in there. They had they rode their luck. But then second half just just showed dogged grit and determination and got through. And I always thought it was going to take something like that for Newcastle to get this first win. Their luck's been out for most of the season and hopefully this was a momentum change and also a change of fortune for them. And then in the coming weeks, um, things start. they start to get a bit of the rub of the green and can put together a few results which propel them up that table. Very positive that, although Newcastle suffered a few injury knocks, Shelby Lascelles, that the players who came off the bench, they stood up um, to be counted really. I'm impressed it has had a bit of a torrid season so far. You would say deserved criticism because as a number 10, he... Hasn't been getting the goals, he hasn't been getting the assists, but he came off the bench, 
he grabbed the goal, he grabbed, you know, the important goal to get Newcastle up and running. Yeah, and it, it came at a great time, really, because, you know, if it had gone on any longer at nil-nil, Watford were starting to look likely. They'd hit the bar before that, hadn't they? But it just meant that Watford had to, like, totally reset the, the tactics um, and Newcastle then finally had something to hold on to. They had, had a lead to hold on to. Uh, strange goal, really. Um, spoke to Key after the game and he said he was actually attempting to put it in the top corner, but, you know, Perez helped it on its way. It was a good good moment. Um, you know, Perez responded with the fingers in the ears. As you say, he's had a lot of criticism. Uh, I think he's dealt with it quite well. Um, he's such a nice guy as well to speak mm-hmm. to. I know nice guys don't always make great players, but there's no one in that dressing room who's got more goals than Iosi Perez than Newcastle at the minute. So, look, he's never going to be a consistent goal scorer. He's not going to be a 30-goal-a-season man in the Premier League. But he'll certainly weigh in with his, his fair share. He can certainly get double figures again this season. And, you know, it's just about getting the, the right players around him now. I suppose it's a, it's a sign of his character because this isn't the first time that Perez has had to deal with criticism. We've seen it quite often during his time here at Newcastle and time and time again he keeps coming back and he keeps showing you uh, should we say the better side of him why so many managers down the years have actually liked him and continued to pick him yeah I think the thing with Perez is he tends to go through purple patches where he scores quite a few goals and in short bursts towards the end of last season obviously I think he scored five of Newcastle's six goals in a run during their really a good run towards the end which got them away from the relegation zone so maybe hopefully that's what he does now and I would be surprised if he, if he doesn't start against Bournemouth now particularly seeing as there's doubts over Muto and, and how fit he will be he's a player Rafa rates highly and Rafa wants competition from him he wanted another t- number 10 because he wants someone a little bit different and Perez isn't really a orthodox number 10 he he does things a little bit differently a lot of the work he does is unseen and Benitez always talks about this but in a team which lacks goals you need your player in that position just off the striker to score or assist he hadn't done that for the majority of the season really had a point to prove when he came on came on did it took his goal very well very good header and now hopefully that this is the start of one as I say one of those purple patches that can help Newcastle get really positive results it's an interesting point that uh, Chris makes it about Perez doing the kind of unseen work and that leads me on to my next kind of player to talk about which is Modi Army um, given that key came off the bench and we all know what Shelby can do there's been a bit of clamour on social media for Key and Shelby to start the next game against Bournemouth but Lee I don't know what your opinion is but my opinion on Diarmi is that he does the unseen work that doesn't get the glitz and glamour mm. he does the work that kind of uh, kind of the dirty work that allows the likes of Shelby and, and the more attacking players to then flourish. I know we haven't really seen it so far this season, but we saw it second half of last season. Um, I don't know, what, what is your opinion on Diarmi? Do you think his place is under threat or do you, do you agree that without him, the, the club, the, the team that starts might struggle? I don't think his place is under threat. I think he's, he'll be, as long as Rafa's here, I think he'll be a regular starter because Rafa really, he really rates him and, uh, as you say, it's it's the little things that he does that sometimes you know don't get the headlines, don't get highlighted on on match of the day or on Monday night football. He made a, a really crucial block from Will Hughes at, at the weekend after uh, Shelby had lost the ball and it went out for a corner and it was it was Lascelles and then Diarmi who uh, kind of cleaned up the mess kind of thing. Uh, there was another one at Southampton last week. I can't remember the exact player 
who had the shot, but uh, the army just put his body in the way, um, and Newcastle cleared the danger again. So he he does sit back. He, that that's the role he's been given. Is he capable of of doing more? Yes, he is because he he's got the restraints on him because he's playing in the more defensive of the two midfield positions. So, but he is quite capable of being a box to box midfielder as well, which he showed at West Ham and at Hull earlier in his his career. Obviously, got the famous goal for Hull, didn't he, at, at Wembley? So, I, I just think he's one of them players where he'll give you a solid, uh, you know, six or seven out of ten every week. Does his job, gets the tackles in, and you know, provides a platform for others to to kick on up the pitch and, and play a bit. I'll tell you one of the things I like most about Modiom as well. I'm sure Lee will agree with this: is that even when Newcastle are struggling, when they can't get a win, if you ask Modiom to stop in the mix zone afterwards, he invariably will. He makes a joke about it usually because he is someone we talk to so frequently. But that's because you know that he will stop. He will always give his honest opinion. He'll always say if he doesn't think Newcastle have played well, but he maintains that faith, and you can see that him and Benitez are, are, are so much aligned in terms of their beliefs on football, and he firmly has confidence in everything the manager's been trying to do. He said all season that things will turn and Newcastle will pick up. And I just think he's, he's an important member of that dressing room as well as a key member of the starting eleven. And just a, a few stats. He's got the most tackles of any Newcastle United player this season. Uh, 39. Surprisingly, Kennedy is second with with uh, 20. And then he's up there you know, with the interceptions, with the touches. He's fourth most. Uh, the player who's got the fourth most touches is 505. Passes again, fourth out of everybody, 307. And obviously he's played the second most minutes because he has been a regular uh, feature in Benitez's side. I mean, without him, you remove that physicality of what he's got um, and you do play, say, a key in, in Shelby. And surely Newcastle are very vulnerable without that, like I say, that physical side in in the midfield. Yeah, I really think that, that the Isaac Hayden situation is... is left Newcastle exposed a bit in, in, in midfield. He was someone who, during Benitez's first two seasons, featured prominently. And obviously, personal issues affected him. He wants away from the club. And we basically haven't seen much of him this season. And when we have, he hasn't played particularly well. He's the other sort of out-and-out defensive midfielder he might have in there. That's the role Diarm has been asked to play. I can't see Key and Shelby playing frequently together as a pair. And certainly away from home, maybe it's St James's in games where Benitez wants to push forward, he may play the two, he may even play midfield three and change things up a little bit. But I see Key as being more of a, of a f- almost option alternative to Shelby as we saw on Saturday because what I actually found interesting was he came on, he played in a different way to Shelby, but every time he got the ball key, he tried. He was, he was intentful with possession, he was trying to move forward, he had intent in everything he did. It was uh, incisive what he was trying to do and it pushed Newcastle forward for that 15 to 20 minute period where they took control of the game. And his set-piece delivery was far better than we've seen from a Newcastle player recently. So I think that there could be a place for Key going forward, particularly as we don't know yet how bad Shelby's injury is. And we've spoken there, Lee, about character that Perez had after the criticism. Key came out and he said he wasn't really sure what Benitez thought of him. He feared that Benitez didn't rate him. I mean, it's it's all good getting criticism from, from the fans. That obviously can be very tough to deal with. But if you've got that niggling doubt in the back of your mind that your manager doesn't rate you, the manager who's only signed you, what? four or five months ago it doesn't rate you Newcastle are bottom of the Premier League or the were a couple of weeks ago you know you can't get into a side which is struggling and that that's takes some character to, to come off the bench and, and arguably change a game which meant so much to Newcastle well I think it's, it's typical Rafa Benitez isn't it because he is he is quite ruthless whether you've been here 
five years or five minutes if you're not doing the job you'll change things around if the, and that's that's one thing that someone told me at the very start of Rafa's reign he said look if, if he believes someone's not doing a job or isn't doing anything uh, constructive uh, for the club then he, he will change things you know Mitrovic being the ki- you know the big example of that you know he had plenty of chances he was told what he had to do in training he didn't do it he got loaned out to Fulham then he got sold so it doesn't matter how long you've been there you'll, you'll get rid of you pretty quickly um doesn't matter if you're popular or not you'll, you'll get rid of you so I think Newcastle have needed that over the years because you know you look back and there was players that were just going in the team on on reputation or, or even a popularity sort of contest sort of thing and uh it it's not good for the football club. It results in one thing, which is relegation. So it's great that, um, you know, Key has shown the right attitude and application. You know, he's, he's taken it positively. He's gone back on the training field and proved what he can do. When given the chance, something else, Rafa Benitez always like points to the pitch and say, that's where you prove prove yourself. Key done it on uh, Saturday night and, you know, won the free kick, put the free kick in. All right, he was trying to shoot, but it was something positive. It's end up resulting in a goal. It's end up resulting in a win. He's, he's made the manager have a decision to make uh, next weekend. Fantastic. That's exactly what Rafa Benitez wants. He wants a competition. Another potential decision that he'll have to make ahead of the Bournemouth game if Jamal Lascelles is fit is is in centre the centre backs because again a lot of people are saying well you know Shaw came on off the bench to replace Lascelles who had suffered injury but actually played very very well with Fernandez. We haven't seen. A lot of sharp, but I mean, Chris, your take on what you saw on Saturday, and does Benitez have a decision to make, or do you think it's a little bit too early to be suggesting that? Well, I've written a piece for later on today, actually, which is basically on this point and, and talking about Cher and the fact that he hasn't featured that much. And my understanding is he was brought in essentially as a backup for Florian Lejeune, and that Newcastle wanted Benitez wanted that ball playing centre back as a backup. The idea initially was that Lejeune would have started the season and Cher would have learned from him and gained from him. Obviously, Lejeune was then injured. Fernandez was brought in and Benitez hasn't been convinced that Cher's that been ready yet. Uh, obviously, at Nottingham Forest, he got a bit of a, a schooling from, from Daryl Murphy, to say the least. That was just a few days after he played well against Chelsea. But what I think we saw on Saturday was uh, really the absence that, that Florian Lejeune not being in the team has brought that the Newcastle haven't got someone who could play it out from the back who's confident come forward with it and Cher did bring that I do think Benitez has a bit of a decision uh, but it, it all just depends on, on Lascelles' fitness if Lascelles is fit I can't see the captain not starting but um, in the form that Fernandez is in you can't really drop him so uh, I, I think that, that given that there's a two-week break, I wouldn't be overly surprised if Benitez just said to Lascelles, look, make sure you're fine for the, for the fortnight after. Uh, and this weekend, just sit it out because we don't want to aggravate that injury further. And it, but brilliant news that you know the man who was potentially a backup has stood up um, to be counted, so to speak. And also that Lejeune is potentially ahead of schedule that, to be back into... You know the first team picture because it was such a crucial, uh, it was such a bad injury the ACL, and to be by the looks of it running, kicking a ball at this early stage is is brilliant to see. Yeah, I mean a quick point on on Scher as well. I mean we're talking about him as a backup there, but he he played almost every game for mm. Deportivo last season. Played in the World Cup with Switzerland as mm. one of the main men, and I think he's quite angry about the fact that he hasn't had as much game time. That that's the impression I got. Mm. Had a quick chat with him after the game on, on Saturday, and he and he, he was quite you know pumped up still. But again, after the, match. the right attitude to when exactly. you called upon. Yep. 
go out and prove go out and prove yourself. Uh, he done that in the time he had. Lejeune, that's going to be another interesting one because then you're going to potentially have, you know, four great centre backs competing for two slots. Uh, Lejeune being so unlucky with with injuries. I don't think he. I, th- I think I remember he'd done some stuff last year and he said he'd never actually really been injured in his career until he come to Newcastle. So, you know, he's sort of chomping at the bit to get back, already running again, kicking a ball again, warming up with the team. It's not going to be too long for him, but, you know, hopefully he'll be around for the festive fixtures maybe when Newcastle potentially need uh, bodies when you've got so many games in that short 10-day period be great if he, he is available as soon as possible it increases competition doesn't it um and you know he's a he's a class act as well so uh, positive positive news coming out of the defensive ranks the thing with share as well is that we had the stage it got the stage in about march or april where it became clear that benitez and Mbemba just could not work together so Mbemba had to go during the summer and initially fernandez came in because Lejeune was injured Cher was the, the the defender that they identified for the price they had in, in terms of age so he came in at that stage but one thing that I think Benitez does want is a bit more tactical flexibility and once Lejeune's fit it'll be interesting to see when you've got the those four centre-backs potentially available maybe if he goes to three at the back on occasion or five at the back however you want to look at it change things up a little bit because then you're going to have two defenders who could potentially play the ball playing role you could have them both in the team you could have one on the bench Fernandez and Lascelles together and, and that is really you look around the squad and the area where Newcastle look like they have the greatest depth is probably at centre back right now it's going to be an interesting I mean where we're speaking hypothetically we've got months ahead yet until the journey does come back but it, it must be Nice for Benitez to maybe think ahead and think, do you know what, when he does come back, if Lascelles and Fernandez continue this good form and Cher steps up again like he has done, you know, I've got a really good decision that a few managers, other than maybe the top teams, actually have the luxury of, of making. Yeah, I mean, Benitez himself was asked at the weekend why, what, if he was to pick one thing as to which he thought was going to keep Newcastle up, and he pointed at the defence and he said, teams rarely go down with good defences, it tends to be the team who ship a lot. Newcastle have the best defensive record in the bottom six. There's only a few teams in the bottom ten who've conceded fewer than Newcastle. The- this is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Bottom three, albeit obviously this is ahead of the Huddersfield game tonight, the bottom three at the moment have conceded more than 20 goals each. Newcastle have conceded 14. So that is the area where they look the strongest. That is the one thing which they've always been in every single game this season, even though they hadn't won until the weekend. They haven't been hammered. And the goal difference at the moment, just as it was last season, is looking like it could be crucial. Almost certainly. And just an interesting point after the game, Cher said he wanted to come off and he wanted to protect uh, Yedlin, who, you know, I'm a big fan of Yedlin, but he, he did have a bit of a torrid time um, 
more than most anyway on, on, on Saturday because they seem to have exploited maybe a weakness in the channel between Lascelles and Yedlin. It was it was good to see uh, more uh, more of a senior pro in a way to, to come out and say, right, you know, we're, we're as one, we'll fail as one, we'll win as one. And to give that arm around the shoulder anyway. Yeah, I mean, I think the fury of the Watford players was sparked because Newcastle were really getting stuck into the gamesmanship, which was the first time this season I've seen them actually show a bit of game management, game intelligence. And uh, Yedlin went down and stayed down, basically, and, and they were accusing him of time-wasting, which is exactly what he was doing. Newcastle have been on the other side of that too many times this season. So it was good to see, yeah, whether he was injured, who cares? The fact he stayed down, wasted some minutes, got Watford a, a little bit rattled, made them rush things and lose the composure. And uh, it did get a little bit uh, naughty, didn't it? And uh, Sher was a, one of the ones to, to step in and, and, you know, calm things down. Um, you are... You do need that in them them situations, um, but you know by by that point, you were just thinking that Newcastle are, are very close to winning this game now because Watford's sort of uh, as I say composure had just gone out the window by that point. It had. I mean, there was the Andre Gray elbow onto Federico Fernandez, which I'm amazed that he, he he stayed on the pitch for it to be honest. Because if you watch it back, I do, I can't see what else he is doing other than sticking his arm up to try and get Fernandez out the way. There was then the incident with Pereira on Yedlin. I don't think he's deliberately trying to land on him, but he probably could have moved out the way of his feet, which is the incident which led to Shaw coming in afterwards. And I think Watford were rattled by that stage. I think they'd realised they'd thrown a game away, which they should have been comfortably ahead in the first half. And I think they got a bit of a talking to from Gracia at half time and they realised they were probably going to get another one at full time after they'd thrown the game away. Looking from the other side, I know it's been a positive, and it is a positive podcast, so please don't write in, but you mentioned there that Watford should have been comfortably ahead. So how does Benitez take this result and make sure that against Bournemouth, who again played very well against Manchester United, arguably should have beaten Manchester United over the weekend, how does he make sure that Newcastle don't just scrape a win. He makes sure, make sure that the performance as a whole is actually a very good one. Or does it take a bit of time to get more than just the win? I think it'll take a bit of time. If you offered Rafa Benitez a scrappy win now this weekend, he would take it. I think the performance is almost secondary. The result is the important thing at this at this stage that Newcastle are in. But if they play like they did in the first half against Bournemouth, I think Bournemouth have better strikers. I think they will score. Um, but... What you saw when Perez scored was just everyone in the stadium, fans, manager, players, visibly growing confidence. And I think that they can take that into the next match now. And they were nervy 10 minutes at the end, but that's because Newcastle hadn't won for so long. First half against Watford, I think that there was the whole of the stadium was quite nervous, quite tense. And that is understandable, the position Newcastle are in. I just think psychologically getting over that barrier of winning the game will be huge for them. The pressure's off them a little bit more this weekend now. They've got that first win. They still need results. They need to back it up. But I don't think it'll be quite as uh, tense an atmosphere as it was on Saturday, and that should give them a bit more of a chance to, to express themselves a little bit more. Supposedly, the manager that Rafa Benitez is, very meticulous. He'll take this victory, but he'll be looking at the DVDs, at the highlights, and probably especially that first half and saying to maybe the defence, you know, you should have been here, you should have been there. You know, he'll be, he will be looking at it the so-called negatives and making sure that they don't happen on Saturday. Well, it will. I mean, I think Watford had 12 attempts in the first half. Um, they were, you know, but they did have the better of the 
opportunities going forward. But I was never in a position where I was never like really worried because I thought Newcastle on the counter were, you know, had they also had forced a couple of openings. Um, you know, Watford were meant to be the team that came here full of confidence, so it wasn't that much of a surprise. The Bournemouth game, a little bit different, really. I mean, it was interesting what you're saying there about, you know, how Newcastle get these wins because Rafa in his press conference pretty much said he would take 1-0 every single time. I think he's, that's one of the traits of his his career. He loves a 1-0 win. Um, and if he can get another 1-0 win against Bournemouth, nobody will be complaining at all. Uh, I think Newcastle are a long way away from blitzing teams, you know, threes and fours. It's not really the way they're set up, unfortunately. But then that, that comes down to finance because... Then you need players, you know, the goal scorers cost money. The players with pace cost money. Newcastle lack pace and they lack players who are regular goal scorers. So Rafa Benitez has got to do it another way. He's got to carve out results, you know, grind out performances. And I, I expect more, much more of the same against Bournemouth this weekend. Strange sort of way as well, looking at the Watford game, taking out the fact that Watford could have scored a few in the first half. I actually think Newcastle, particularly at home, are better suited to playing against these sorts of teams rather than someone like Brighton. Against Brighton, they had so much of the ball and just didn't know, look like they knew what to do with it. Watford committed so many bodies forward that Newcastle had that opportunity to counter, which they're not going to get very often against teams in the bottom half of the table. Bournemouth will come and be positive as well. And so that might allow the openings to be there for Newcastle if they can be defensively solid. Look, it's going to be a very difficult game. Bournemouth certainly will come here full of confidence and knowing that that they're flying at the moment and and could really challenge for a European place if they keep up this form. But I just think that Newcastle look a bit better suited to those teams who who do want to attack rather than the teams who come and sit sit back and and get Newcastle to invite them onto them. Definitely, we'll have a full uh, Bournemouth preview later this week. Uh, And just just finally, really, to, to, to sum up, the team spirit that we saw on, on Saturday, it's now really been in doubt this season. A few question whether it was maybe as strong or maybe everyone was pulling in the same direction as they were last season, given the fact that Newcastle finished 10th. Maybe some players perhaps got too big for their boots, so to speak. But it, Saturday was a g- kind of going back to how it was in the latter parts of, of, of last season. Yeah, well, I think the team spirit is a, it's a key thing for, for the for this group of players and I think earlier in the season there was some negative headlines about uh, Richie and Lascelles and you know big suggestions that there was those problems at the training ground to which the Newcastle players reacted very angrily to um, I mean we ran stories on it playing it down because you know we felt that you know it was a good spirit and the, the information we were getting from the training ground was that you know, whatever picture they're trying to paint of us, you know, fighting and training and arguing, it's not true. And I think that, that that's been proved because if it is toxic in there, then you don't have performances like the weekend. You don't go down to Southampton and, and cling on and hold on for a point. You don't go 2 up at Man United if you've got bad team spirit, you know what I mean? So I think really uh, what the next sort of eight games are going to be about is is this team finding the rhythm again, uh, Back to last season, if you like. I mean, that's the first time they've kept two clean sheets in a row since March. If they can really, you know, get that consistency going, there's no reason why they can't, you know, get close to the 20-point mark before, you know, or around Christmas time. And then, you know, they're halfway there and, you know, they're going to the new year, hopefully uh, looking to, to complete the job. And But I think if you ask any of the players that 
they'll have bigger ambitions than finishing fourth or fifth bottom. They'll be looking to to push on again and, and finish probably close at the middle of the table. Yeah, I, ju- I think that Saturday was really the ultimate team performance from Newcastle. They haven't quite been at it so far this season. Things have gone against them. They've lacked quality in front of goal. But even though they do lack pizzazz and real... Uh, that X factor, for want of a better term, in the final third, what they do have is a, a team who care and who, who will fight for each other. And we saw that during the second half. It was the walk and wounded for, for large stages. They'd already had three subs by the 51st first minute. Rondon looked knackered by the end of the game. I mean, he wasn't meant to be on the pitch that long. He looked absolutely shattered by the end, but he stuck at it. Richie went down with an injury. Yedlin had that injury. Diarmi went down. Fernandez took a blow to the face. And they just kept going, and it was it was sheer grit and determination that saw them through the game. And teams who aren't as together as that wouldn't wouldn't have have seen that through. So that's going to be crucial. They don't have the individual quality to win games by themselves. They need to be a collective, and that's what Saturday's performance was, and that's what they need to replicate on a regular basis. So we just um, started a live video here on Instagram. So thank you very much for joining us, Chris. Um, can you give us then your positive from the weekend? Obviously, besides the result, Newcastle winning is a massive positive. But you know, any players that stood out for you, or anything in particular that you know, that even the fans watching may have missed. I think Cher for me was a big positive, just because we hadn't seen enough of him. He really hadn't. He hadn't even been in some match day squads, and he came in. He's shown that that Newcastle do. In theory, have depth at centre back. It's one position where you're not really concerned about them. They've already got four who are fit, albeit Clark was ill at the weekend. Lascelles can play. Obviously, he's playing well there. Fernandez and and Cher gives them a bit of an alternative to Lejeune once he's fit. And so for me, he he's a big positive, and hopefully, we start to see a bit more of him in the coming weeks and months. The same question there uh, for you, Lee. Your positive that you you saw over the weekend. Well, I just think, you know, generally the fact that the, the players went out and proved a lot of people wrong. I think, you know, they'd been hammered by some of the pundits. I think Phil Neville came out and said that they weren't good enough to stay up and they weren't good enough to get results. Um, and there'd been a suggestion that the players were hiding behind, you know, the political side of things, hiding behind the talk of a sale. But in the end, you know, they went out there and they put in a performance, good 1-0 win, clean sheet, three points, Got your goal scorer back on the on the goal trail, and hopefully, you know this is this start of a, a good run for Newcastle now. Do you guys think that they do the players do listen to the pundits? They do see what certain people write, especially maybe the negative stuff. I know the cell said when he's away from the training ground, when he's away from the pitch, he's off social media uh, and all that. But but do you think the players do? You know they do see what people are writing. They do see the negative stuff that maybe the pundits are, are, are talking to them about. I think some do and some don't really, um, you know, and it, it also the other thing is, is how do you respond to that criticism? I think even even the journalists get criticism these days and uh, you, you've got to basically, you know, rise above it. If, if it's if it's wrong, you know the truth, whatever you've written or, or whatever's I've said. And I think it's the same for the players. They know the work they're putting in at the training ground. They know the performances and all the stats. So I think it's just a case of, them going out and uh, you know putting that all into good practice. And finally, Chris, just to just to finish, I mean, Lascelles signed a new contract earlier in the week, uh, six-year deal. What does this mean for Rafa Benitez's future? Do you think do you think he would have had in England that Benitez might be willing to sign a new deal? I mean, or do you think it is 
treat them as separate entities. You'll certainly have discussed it with Rafa Benitez before saying it. I think they are, to a certain degree, separate entities. Newcastle would still like Benitez to sign. At the moment, we understand that isn't particularly close. Benitez is going to wait until after the January window. He wants reassurances over the academy and the training ground. But for Jamal Lascelles to commit his future, albeit that, yes, it's with a pay rise, and so you would say that he probably would have signed anyway. I think that he will have had some inkling that, that Rafa Benitez has told him that if certain things are promised, if, if he does get what he wants, then he wants him to be his captain long-term. And I think that, that that really is a positive. And for me, another positive which came out the weekend is that we are talking about things like this. We're talking about the football. There hasn't been really too much discussion about all the off-field matters because finally Newcastle have delivered on the pitch. They've got that win and we are able to be a little bit more positive about everything that's going on, albeit we have to accept they're still in a very difficult position. We do, but we have remained positive and it's great to be able to do so. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. If you head over to chroniclelive.co.uk, you can keep up to date with all the latest Newcastle United news. Thank you. Hi, it's Finn Dwyer from the Irish History Podcast, and this is a Staycast from Acast. Please, please, please follow the government's advice right now, which is currently to stay at home where possible. While you're staying at home, I would recommend another great show that's worth checking out. It's Unexplained by Richard McLean Smith. It's a beautifully produced and gripping show that looks at unusual and sometimes unnerving occurrences from the past and present. It's perfect escapism. Check out Unexplained on the Acast app or wherever you get podcasts.